I keep almost wanting to puke at the gym, Josh. Why you keep, Why are you doing that? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. No matter how little trail mix I eat in the morning and how little coffee I have. Is it because you're laying on your back inverted so much doing leg presses that all just your stomach acid is rushing up your esophagus into your I'm mouth? I'm not inverted, though. My, my, my heart is above my hips. Have you, yeah, I still think Josh, the basic premise of Josh's mushed it out theory is right, though. <laughs> I think I'm putting too much pressure on my stomach by breathing deeply or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But that one of be. these days, I'm going to go running out the emergency door. You, you let that bar slam on your diaphragm when you're doing your... I feel like it's more likely you'll just just explosively shit all over the press. No, I'm very good at not coming close to that. (laughs) He's got that butt plug in with a little unicorn tail. You you don't edge the you don't edge the explosive press diarrhea. No, I make sure I take care of everything before I go to the gym. Well, maybe you should just start vomiting before you go to the gym. That's an idea. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Then I. I check in, talk to the front desk people. Yeah, like uh, like like Jamie Fox. Retroactive trigger warning for bulimia. (laughs) Just have some dribbling down my chin. (laughs) I'm ready to move some weight. (laughs) (laughs) It's a core exercise. Maybe uh, your stomach just doesn't like all those uh, andro that powders that you're eating before you go to the gym. Yeah, maybe if you quit putting fucking bull hormones in your ass, you wouldn't throw up so much. All natty, baby. <laughs> Just Flintstones vitamins like Sammy Sosa, right? Yeah, yeah. I made a Flintstones vitamins joke to Miho the other day. She's like, why Why would it be shaped like a Flintstone? And I'm like, okay, well, when I was a kid. So there was this company called Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> They, they just wait till I get to wacky races. You're going to love it when I get to wacky races. But first, we got to go through this uh, Flintstones wormhole. And then there's a Jetsons thing we got to talk about. Whole Jetsons era. But we'll get to she, wacky she's, races. She's aware of Flintstones and the Jetsons, but unaware of the uh, commercial partnership with Children Vitamins. Yeah, the that's big, where the <laughs> the Venn diagram where Hanna Barbera and Merck overlap yeah. is the part that she missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's where it, wasn't it? It was the kids that brought them together. Those those Flintstones kids, the ten million strong and growing kids, they brought them together. They were like, this "We need a partnership. If I'm going to do vitamins, I need a cartoon based partnership that's going to convince me that it's something that I can put in my body." I don't have any. I don't know what you're referring to, and I also actually don't know the corporate history of Merck. But I was convinced when you started saying the kids brought them together, that was the start of a Holocaust joke. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the camps and the kids in the camps. I don't know. I, it's been I don't a day. Even know I'm how. sorry. <laughs> but let's, I, let's I, work I, through I it. Can, let's, I can, let's let's see how those dots would connect, Justin. You you, you craft the joke. Uh, you know, we got all this raw material laying around. How do we press it into something useful? 
<laughs> is that a, is that a, yeah, is yeah. going anywhere? But there? in this in this case, it's not like iron to make a battleship. It's like iron to help your body grow strong. Yeah, the pro- <laughs> the problem is it's just in other bodies right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah is this what you were hoping for Eric yeah yeah <laughs> what's never ending to find the beginning that came before everything like kids with decoders discover the wonder in the Things running through my head. We're about to get into some riboflavin discourse. Yeah, yeah. just like do, so, do, that you sounds in, like an anti-Semitic uh, term, riboflavin. It does. It's got it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got the juice. Uh, too many things running through your head, just like JFK, right, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Bullets come from all angles. Thing. He only had one thing running through his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we're not the first. We're not the first podcast to uh, discuss TikTok exclusively, but there was a real great one where somebody was like, "So yeah, if you leave me a five star rating on Uber, I'd really appreciate it." And then it cuts to Jackie Kennedy just going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> "Oh man, did you guys see the?" Uh, the Japanese Twitter account that was mad about Barbenheimer no. stuff? No. Oh, TC sent that to me exclusively. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> Maybe if TC sent it, there's a chance that I got it and forgot. Uh, I, he may have texted it specifically to me, a uh, little Miss Special over here. But there was, like, Miho had brought it up to me that morning, just like, oh, yeah, apparently, you know, Japanese media is talking about how. Um, the official Barbie Twitter account replied to somebody talking about Barbenheimer saying it's going to be a summer to remember or a, an August to remember. Oh, no. Which, yeah. yeah, I have not seen that one. Oh, uh, boy. So all of, uh, you know, the official Barbie account like responded or Barbie movie account or whatever. So then people were obviously upset about it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was trying to, I've never been able to fully describe the nuances of, obviously I'm not Japanese, so I'm looking at it from the outside, mm-hmm. but the nuance of like understanding that, like how people in Japan do view the bombings as, like a lot of people kind of view it as like, well, yeah, we needed to be stopped, which is That's imparted. Wild. It, yeah, imported from the, the, the U.S. How, colonizer how we, mindset. <laughs> how do we how do we templatize that mindset and and convince all the people in the former Confederacy? Like, yeah, yeah no, yeah. we just we needed a shellacking, and boy, we got it, and we can move on now. <laughs> Sherman Sherman was right. He was he yeah. was right. That march to the sea, 
Oh no, we would not have stopped. Yeah, yeah. We would yeah. not have stopped. <laughs> it was so it's an interesting and you know, obviously it's not a majority of people and people are like, "Oh, this was a terrible atrocity." Um, but the majority of people talking about it, you know, in that context is large. And then the Twitter account he shared was like, "How would Americans appreciate this and put the official Barben Barbieheim Bar, whatever, Barbenheimer kind of logo?" <laughs> Uh, with the Mattel, you know, sticker looking thing saying it's going to be a summer to remember with the Twin Towers smoking behind it. And the answer is a big percentage of America would be like, we deserved it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, the blowback was was granted. It was it was deserved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so then it would just evolved into people trying to explain to the person who spoke very good English. Like, yeah, Americans kind of joke about 9-11 all the time <laughs> and i yeah. loved their response was i suppose it was a mistake to expect them to have ethics <laughs> right no <laughs> see if they Solid. had done it, if they had just reversed it and done it with pearl harbor then we would have taken it seriously that's true because we don't forget that one still no, that one still stings as long as there's still oil leaking out of the arizona I, I was so my sister for the, for the wildfires to catch yeah. on fire someday. <laughs> well, it'll hop hop an island over. I actually uh, I don't know anything about Hawaii. I've never been there. I didn't know that. I didn't. Now that you've said that, it's occurred to me that some of the islands may not be affected. <laughs> Maui's the one that's on fire. The other ones the are, big are island not too. on fire right now. Well, the, the big, big island kind of always fire. has fire because it's like an active volcano. Okay. Um, <laughs> My sister went to Hawaii when she was in college or something. Um, I, I love my Real sister. Real details guy. Mm. I love my sister. <laughs> she did say, I'm glad I went to Hawaii before it was problematic once. <laughs> and I was like, um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, anyways. <laughs> it hasn't been problematic at all until recently. <laughs> right. Uh but she got like a, you know, my dad took her big, you know, jarhead. Um, and so he, of course, went to Pearl Harbor and got her a sweatshirt that she left here. And I was going through those clothes being like, which of these can I just take to a place to donate? Um, uh, showed the sweatshirt to Sadao and he's like, yeah, I'll just wear this. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Own it. <laughs> it was it was very uh i you know it's hard to be like i don't think it's extremely safe for you to wear ah he's probably that. fine what are I the imagine. what are the chances that somebody makes that connection and I, isn't like that dude is my new best friend like have, <laughs> having just got back from honolulu like I would yeah. say that he is Who, not the true. only. Actually, do we know that this isn't all your fault? Yeah, I mean, it's the accusation has already been levied against me a few times. You're not the first. Struck a second. A second bird has been struck. I shouldn't. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have been using that flint-tipped cane when I was walking around, just sparking it up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you with your doobies. <laughs> the amount of the the amount of people visiting and like working and living in Honolulu, I would venture to guess that the demographics skew uh, more towards it being like a majority Japanese city than like white Americans or even like native Hawaiians that live in that city. Yeah, 
And well, so, there's... like, even around the Pearl Harbor area and just, like, the tourists that go there, there's no way that Sadao is the only uh, Japanese guy that's got a Pearl Harbor sweatshirt from the... I'm sure plenty have bought it because <laughs> they're all there. Very important context for this is Gardena, California is not Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that's... Uh, like we took them to an air show a few years ago uh and that was like the first time that they had ever seen like Japanese World War II planes they had them like oh, at yeah. the at the air show cuz like Japan's not showing those off <laughs> you there know? also are very very few of them left yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah uh yeah we've we've definitely discussed that but anyways um we had an off ramp with the Jetsons and just totally I tried. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't then, throw then, in my. Then Justin had to bring up the Holocaust. <laughs> no one said. No one said I had to. Uh, <laughs> you met. You met your quota. So. Uh, the my one my one familial Hawaii story is my my parents took their honeymoon there, which in my parents' fashion meant that they left the Air Force base they were stationed at and went to a Marine base where they could stay for free. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. And the, the, the like thing I've been told over and over through my childhood is that every day they had to clear the beach in the afternoon because the beach was downrange of artillery practice. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to like go back to whatever other activities there were on base if you were visiting uh so that you did not become you know uh, that something didn't fall short and obliterate uh the whole family but anyway yeah <laughs> there are there, there there is like a beach in Kauai called barking sands that uh was like a one of those artillery bases that we visited before too mm. it's 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 wild just like if you haven't been the, the still overwhelming military presence that's there, even though that now it's like, oh yeah, you could totally go to these beaches, but it's like <laughs> still very obvious. <laughs> People like their military for some reason. Uh, so aliens uh, exist. Yes. On planet earth right now. Is that a question? Yeah. What no. is where? <laughs> I was Wait, pausing is it, is for dramatic a question, effect. or do they not exist here? <laughs> yes, I, I think aliens exist, but I the the proximity is is unknown at at this juncture. Most like, likely, very far away in a place that we'll never be able to communicate with. Cool. You feel like that they are here. <laughs> <laughs> I who hold on, who's talking right now? <laughs> <laughs> Which version? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Are we are we all just are we all saying what our priors? Like is that the phase we're in? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. we're, we're getting uh, real ba we're getting Bayesian about this. Okay. Uh I th I think that the math says there's other forms of life somewhere. Uh and the math also says that it's uh very far away uh and that those distances are uh Within the realm of physics, but not within the realm of what we can imagine as technology. Yeah, I all of this kind of stuff, I was trying to think through when I was uh, eating my, my little lunch today. Um, why are people 
so obsessed with like this narrative that like the recent congressional hearing was uh uh exposing or whatever but not as interested in like the actual science uh like you know no scientist really is saying aliens couldn't exist anywhere in the universe but there's like a lot of interesting science going on trying to discover those things and talking about the actual physics and the actual technologies that we are creating to try to observe those things and what uh, we could observe from another civilization if we did observe one. I don't know. It's such a weird... Obviously, people would be like, oh, it'd be cool if they were here right now, but... Well, I think it's because... I, the- I don't know that it would be cool. I want to be very clear. Yeah. <laughs> I, think be I don't un- think so I think either. it would be uncool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As as all of us are three body people, so we we know what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> two of us are have our black belts in the yeah. three body trilogy. <laughs> I, I'm, and then I'm working Joshy. my way. I'm working my way. I'm in my brown belt stage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think that people. I mean, I think people like the idea uh, of connection, right? I, I put it in the same space with like uh other paranormal stuff right like people mm. also really want to like people want to believe in in ghosts and people want to be connected to the afterlife in some way people want to be connected to something outside of our experience and something that takes our existence and um i don't know if elevated is quite the right right word because the way i process it is it would actually like make us like, it would get us really close to the ants yeah. And it would introduce something else that it, currently our distance between us and the ants is, is what we're living with. Uh, it would compress that down to us and the ants being one form of life and another form of life that we now share the planet with. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think the that like initial question of why this and why now, it's something that that people latch onto as a, a, a something that would, you know, shake things up. <laughs> would really would really I would re- love something to be shaken up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um there's this is a huge tangent and I apologize for it so early. There's a guy who's uh, uh oh actually I'll look it up and then I'll come back once I have the, the name and the book. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that I think the sort of fervor for it is has a lot more to do with the uh, mindset of being withheld information from the government and having like this other angle of uh, subterfuge or or misinformation from the government and a government secrecy and we can't trust the government type of angle that just developing uh, the next generational telescopes that are going to do spectroscopy and tell us if there's like uh, chemical signatures inside of the atmospheres of exoplanets that let us know if like there's life or actually like industrial life on other planets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not that compelling narrative inside of it. There's not a there's not a true crime story that's like baked into the into the thing unless you like really want to get into like the uh, the not very interesting lives of some of these scientists who are if like especially the past ones that are misogynists and assholes and you want to like dig up the dirty laundry type of stuff like that but there's not like a there's just not that type of compelling narrative that everyone wants from an entertainment aspect well and it's similar to like why is it more why is it more compelling in some narratives to say that aliens did things in the past 
than it is to be like pulleys. Yeah, right? yeah. And and like get into the physics of how you could do something without uh, the, the internal combustion engine, right? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's sort of a search for meaning, but I think also just, yeah, a search for interest, a search for novelty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Speaking of the thinking, like going off on this tangent that they view it more of like the government hiding things. Uh, I opened the Wikipedia page for Anna Paulina Luna. And, uh, <laughs> do you think she would be a, a real happy that the tab on my computer right next to hers is Islamic socialism (laughs) 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 from researching last week. (laughs) Sure. That's the first time that's ever happened. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I was like looking up these people too, because I like the, the podcast that you shared, Josh, the, what is it, Big Picture Science? Yeah, that's run by yeah. Seth Shostak and the SETI, the whole SETI organization runs that podcast and that blog and think tank. Which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes. Correct? That's the, SETI. It, well, there's a couple of the acro- parts of the acronym that are double, so it's actually like two S's. It's the Scientific Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligent, and there's another I that I can't remember. That's in the skiff. Yeah. Um, and like just looking up the, the background for even the things that we know existed within the government, which I don't have a whole lot on because like I don't want to reiterate just everything in that podcast because I, uh, I think that's maybe plagiarism. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they did present actual uh, sources talking about these things. And the research behind like you know uh these programs actually existed in the government like the pentagon actually had a program that was researching uh ufos or uaps which are unidentified anomalous uh that got changed by the department of defense six months ago or the end of last summer whenever they launched uh so nasa last june got tasked with putting together a panel of experts to go over some 800 plus um, pieces of evidence for UAPs that the DOD had collected. And they gave them uh, a year. They just had their hearing like in June before this, this hearing and it didn't get hardly any publicity (laughs) Mm. because they were like, yeah, we did. uh, We looked at 800, all of these 800, 2% we still defined as anomalous um, but that has to do with like a loose definition of what it is. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, so they had a big hearing about it. Um, and uh, so, anyway, go on with what you were saying. That was needing that basis. Uh, just that, like the the program that did exist was what like they had one that had twenty two million dollars put into it, which is like three thousand three thousandths of a percent of the Pentagon budget. That, and it's and that was Harry Reid's buddy's money to because he wanted to give yeah, money exactly. to Bob Lazar. It's <laughs> it's like just his friend that he wanted to give a slush fund to that, you know, okay, yeah, you can research uh, aliens or whatever, which um, there is a government organization to research aliens. That's SETI. <laughs> like, you know, you don't need to give it to this private industry kind of guy. Um, Got to cut through the research. red tape, bud. Got to cut through yeah. the red tape. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where there's like the instead of viewing it as this like 
conspiracy that's like, oh, they closed it down in 2012 because they found aliens. Um, so that's why they stopped funding it and took it dark or whatever. Instead of viewing it on the very obvious surface of they're giving their friends money, <laughs> you know, uh, which happens every day. And I find it, it's it's a weird, maybe you can put it into words better than I can, either of you, but it's it's strange that it's like the you know, it's so weird that they're invested in investigating this kind of stuff because they think like the right-wing people that are way more invested in this uh, hearing or whatever, they're finally interested in figuring out what the Pentagon is spending money on. <laughs> well, that, that's been, a, that's been a big libertarian thing for a long time. Like audit, audit the fed, audit the Pentagon Sure. Find all this billions of dollars of waste so we can stop paying taxes. But that's not the angle that they're going through with it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's very funny, like looking up the Anna Luna person um, and her saying that she's 100 uh, percent Mexican going all the way back in time. Um, and her like paternal grandfather was a Nazi, like, <laughs> like literally a Nazi, <laughs> um, like a, so, like a Nazi you know, in Mexico or just a Nazi, <laughs> you know, drafted into the Wehrmacht. I don't know how big their Mexican forces were at the time. It's uh, weird how they did a draft in Mexico though. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. They were, they were hurting, they were hurting for troops there. Yeah, I mean, I if you're going to so. pick between the two, I would just say I was 100% Mexican as well, yeah. given. Yeah. Um, I do think, though, hearing you guys discuss that brought up another thing to, to go back to actually your original question about, like, where, where does this interest come from? And I, I wonder how you feel about the idea that part of it is what we do with the things we can't explain, because that is a, a part of life and yeah. it's a part of science and a part mm -hmm. of archaeology. Right. And that like just the that that disambiguation you were working through, Josh, of like they reviewed 800 of them and they cut out 98 percent and no one was interested in that. Right. That session. But the session where they sort of dug in and, and tried to work through this other two percent gets all the media attention. And like sort of that's that's then so when we don't know when we when we can't provide an answer, which is a, a part of life, uh, how we react to those circumstances. Right. And then I do think that ends up tying into some of those other paranormal or, or, or uh, you know, fantastical explanations for things of like, you know, I, I can't comprehend or and we maybe can't explain because the the source is gone and the archaeology will never recover the process in the past. And so it's easier to say, or maybe not easier, but maybe more comforting or fits into people's methods of thought uh, more more uh, cleanly that it was something very dramatic as yeah. opposed to something very mundane. And we just lost the we lost the details of that particular mund mundanity, mundanity, whatever. Yeah. Right. So yeah, like right. there's like the two percent of these 800 things and there's more than likely a relatively mundane and earthbound explanation for them, even if it is still like government programs that are, you know, black book programs or like China, China or whatever. All that shit is still not aliens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's still yeah. fairly mundane or it could be fucking weather or it could be whatever. Oh, anyway, sorry, not to get too far into it, but that 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 how each individual person processes the moments when it's vanishingly unlikely that we'll ever get an explanation right some people are like aliens or ghosts or yeah. uh god or or you know fill in your 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 thing 
Yeah. Well, I, and that's that's why in like going through listening to the the all the testimony, you know, part of me is like, there's no nothing that is being presented as any kind of evidence for it being any any of these phenomena being extraterrestrial yeah, which is something we should so, make text in this podcast there were there was nothing that meets the standard of evidence that was presented right, like the right. word no. evidence cannot be applied right exactly <laughs> not even in like a court case sense of you of a testimony because his whistleblower account is pretty much just a hearsay account of other people told me things and and like he hedged around maybe he saw one artifact type of type of thing one time but well, his that main guy so the two the two pilots we can talk about um separately the main guy like i think needs to be totally discredited and <laughs> i know that most people don't thought he was a little too much yeah. anyways and out of fairness it feels like that's the narrative it feels like the 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 circus was that guy and the pilots were the meat yeah 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 but there you know Again, we can talk about it, but like pilots see things all the time that aren't actually things to worry about. And uh, the machines mess up all the time and show you things that aren't actually there. And even if they are detecting or seeing something there, the least likely explanation is still extraterrestrial life. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. And that's in in the research of like in those 800 uh, some odd that NASA was looking at, like they're looking at like not just visual video type of grainy stuff. They've got like the FLIR data from fighter jets and they've got the radar data from all of the um, air traffic control system for the entire United States that gives you a full 3D image of this entirety of the sky above us. Um, and not just like the one that's been filtered out to just give you like the call signatures for planes, but the one that is the full granular cross-section of everything in the air, like locusts and birds. It's giving you all the raw data. Yeah. Um, so, like, um, most of the things that have come across and, like, I've been reading a lot of the technicians who work on, like, FLIR equipment and fighter jets and things. And the it goes back to when we did our A-bomb episode and we talked about the book Restricted Data. Um like the way that some of these things are kept uh, secret because they know everyone is going to tell everybody who when they're working on a government project, even if you're just like a technician on a radar system inside of a fighter jet, you're going to go to the bar and have beers and that secret's going to get out. Yeah. But if you restrict that person's uh, umbrella of knowledge to just a specific component of that system, they can't be you know, taken by a foreign government and then made to reproduce the entirety of the system. They only know, they're only an expert in a very limited, narrow field of it. And yeah. it's done that way intentionally, and which is cool as a method of trying to keep secrets intact because you know people are going to talk. But it also creates these layers of, like, unknowables between people that then when, like, uh, you do have recovery teams as part of the Pentagon budget that some are classified, some are not that like go and retrieve things from foreign countries or things <laughs> that have landed in our space that are from foreign countries. Um, and then they like chop all that stuff up into little bitty pieces and send it to individuals to just do analysis on this one little thing and tell me what this is. 
Um, it's like how they found out about like the different uh, stealth technologies of Russian submarines by actually capturing one, <laughs> and yeah. bring it up, and then like cutting it up into little pieces and having people evaluate it. Right, and the lack of a public explanation for the things that were presented, because some of those things may have been real. They may have been real events. They may have been accurately reported descriptions of things people saw. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, like, they're, right, they, they could also reasonably be uh, either our, the United States, or someone else's secret program. And for nat- for, for reasons that are seem important to uh, the people in the national security infrastructure, they're not, they're, they're happier with this crazy alien shit than they are with having to declassify either the United States capabilities or the gap in capability between the United States and other nations, right? Neither of those things are things that they would want to talk about in public. So they're not going to correct the record on like, you know, in the same way. And I I intended to go back and look at this and and make sure because it it could be a truism and I didn't check this. Um, But in the same way that there's an assertion that's made a lot that essentially all of the uh, or or a vast majority of the the, uh, UFO sightings in the in the 80s, can be paired to test flights of the F-117 and B-2 bomber programs, right? Mm-hmm. Like where, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one had deployed a flying wing since like the 50s. And the, yeah. so a stealth flying wing that flies without navigation, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got people reporting triangles in the sky. Like, okay, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> Black, the goddamn there were Black Star Wars Reagan Pentagon <laughs> is not going to come out and go on fucking Art Bell and be like, look, Everybody needs to just chill out. We're gonna we're gonna pip them fucking rooskies, and then we'll come back and tell you all about it. Like, <laughs> anyway, no, and I think that's that those layers that it means that there's people inside the government that might work on one little thing, and when then other influences from outside their sphere like start to build the narrative around them they might actually believe that they were working on some kind of recovered piece of alien material because they don't know intentionally they're shielded from knowing like what the origin of this stuff is just like when they were developing the bomb like they put 10,000 scientists all over America under the employ of the federal government and gave them all little bitty tasks to do so that (laughs) that was the only way they could figure out to keep it a secret can I can I tell you my favorite uh non-evident statement that was interpreted as evidence of alien life the non-human biologics yeah, oh yes. nothing nothing in the air has ever hit a bird before <laughs> like <laughs> i just like the idea that it's not a human great what else you got like, like there's been did, non- they find, did they find Leica? like oh my god uh <laughs> <laughs> was it an amoeba <laughs> could it have been like phytoplankton i don't know i mean that guy, everything, the frustrating thing of people being like, well, he's obviously, uh, he can't talk about it. Um, that's that's why, you know, it's so important that he can't talk about it. Um, s- saying I'm not going to answer that question does not mean yes at all. Like, you know, people were saying like, well, he's under oath. So he's like, you know, has to tell the truth. It's like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to say yes because he knows that it's totally fabricated and he can't go that far with lying. It's, you know, it's lying by omission in a way that sort of gets him more attention, gets him more funding, gets him more uh, limelight. Um, 
as you know an expert on all of this that he's just collecting diaries from you know 40 pilots or and, whatever. and you and you can't just write in whatever you want in a blank space right like right his mm-hmm. his the thing he says behind closed doors in a, in a secure session or whatever might be more hearsay but hearsay that reveals other you know classified information about government programs that he doesn't want to fucking go to jail for talking about in public right uh, yeah, yeah. so I, I just you know and it's I don't an Im- put it past people being inside the DOD or and the Pentagon that would actually either believe these things or tell him these things and thinking and knowing that he would believe them because he was the director of one of the programs to research how we would how we would fund the research to try to detect these things yeah. like there like there are like other reasons why people would feed him misinformation and blow smoke up his well, ass too inside of the inside of the whole deal even if it's not like some sort of um approach to like get him off on the wrong track or whatever i i just find it so uh interesting that like look at him as a person he was inside of the pentagon he asked for access to higher uh confidential information was told no and it's like oh that's because they're hiding aliens yeah like that's that's his <laughs> path to getting uh in front of congress you know that's how he's a whistleblower um on like the retaliation he suffered quote unquote <clears throat> when the retaliation aspect of it is like one i can definitely see people getting annoyed that somebody's like what are you working on aliens in there like keeps you know it like being like get out of this part of the pentagon you know <laughs> go over uh, to your desk um or as the you know intercepts uh uh report i believe is the interceptor whatever yeah uh, yeah Clip and style. Then, like he had like actual mental uh issues go yeah. on like not the right terminology that i could see somebody who believes that strongly in aliens viewing going through any of those um you know psychiatric evaluations as retaliation against things and that can be an entirely true aspect that he went through all of that stuff and it's you know as a human it's very difficult to deal with all of those Mm -hmm. issues and everything and it can also be true that he's views that as as the government trying to silence him on uh alien stuff or and and even if the government just like you're saying eric even if the government is actively trying to silence him that's not evidence of aliens that's evidence that he is trying to talk about something the government doesn't want him to talk about now what that might be is right the simplest explanation is terrestrial military capabilities in some comp in some ours someone else's Mm. right uh it's not you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, and, you know, so and we were talking about like uh like radar stuff and all those sorts of things. I, I went to faa.gov uh, and found, you know, because in that podcast they spoke about how all of the like air traffic control data that you would see in a tower is filtered. That's like just showing planes mm-hmm. or something that would probably see like, you know, a big flock of birds near the airport. I'm sure that probably pops up 
uh, just so planes can avoid it or whatever. But and then they right click and have, then they they right click hide if Josh is on a plane nearby. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> and then we just smell them. We just smell them. Just the, the carcasses of birds burning inside the plane as the engine has been just roasting them. So I also is that something y'all talked about on here? I don't remember if that's. I don't mean to make. I don't that know. Up. I don't think we talked about it. Well, yeah. anyway, no. sorry. Yeah. My, my plane got hit by a bird on the way to. I think your plane the hit the bird, but that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the um the you know they're saying that they have all of the raw data as well that shows every single thing for pretty much every square foot of the U.S. and most. Uh, countries also have this kind of stuff that have, you know, the air traffic that we would. Um, on all of that raw data dating back for years, which I looked up, it was 1973 that all in route centers in the contiguous U.S. had radar capabilities able to have like a computer um, intake and everything. Now, I'm not saying that all of that is recorded data they've gone back through. But just to show you that for the last 50 years, they've had the capability to see every single thing flying in the U.S. And that doesn't pick up any UFOs or UAPs or whatever. Um, so those those things that are like hard evidence don't show up. But I guess the more interesting stuff that I would like to get to is like the actual space aspect of it and how uh, impossible it would be for anything to arrive on the planet <laughs> since we're since we're changing topics and i have nothing to, to contribute here did uh did y'all see my text no yes okay uh hannah decided not to go to french class so she's on her way home i she's gonna get home in the next couple minutes so i was trying to find a graceful point to exit and let, okay. let y'all carry on um but i do want to plug maybe just for the two of you there's a guy named vincent bleb uh, vincent bevins who wrote a book a while ago on american counterterrorism but he's writing a he's releasing a book on october 3rd uh called if we burn the mass protest mass protest decade and the missing revolution just like looking at the last 10 years and like mm -hmm. the moment that we're in that I, I i liked his last book a lot uh i expect this one to be good too and that was the thing i was going to tangent way earlier but it was actually just something that i've been meaning to put in our group text so i'm telling you both now and then i'll send you the link <laughs> <laughs> perfect so anyway uh i'm gonna hop off and send you this and then i'm excited to hear about the space stuff i, I just don't want to interrupt in the middle with this disambiguous all right this just I mean, so, and anything negative you want to say about f-18 pilot first before you leave uh uh you know sure um <laughs> as as a starting point you know you, you've got all this math and science in your head and the, the best way you can really think to apply it is to get you know catapulted off a little tiny boat in the ocean so you can go kill some kid like go fuck yourself find a real job there that's the best <laughs> i can do <laughs> Well, thanks for being on with us, Justin. I appreciate that send-off. <laughs> See ya. So the, the math that I was doing that's like um, all of the fun stuff, I know people love when we talk conversions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like, know that like you have... Like from, from like Judaism to Catholicism. Right. 
you have a lot of the actual space stuff, but I have to get out all of these numbers um, floating around right in front of me. So bear with me Go here. Go for it. So uh, let's just say, well, we'll blanket statement stars are very far from us so yes. uh stars are where life would most likely originate as far as we can tell um and we haven't found anything between us and our nearest star system alpha centauri system which we've covered before that is 4.25 light years away that could harbor life uh or originate life that we found, okay? The argument for why aliens would be here, which is, I think, brought up in the testimony, right? Like the nuclear blasts or something yeah, that they're yeah. interested in. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, they ask all three people on the panel, Gersh and the um, two pilots, just one question for the whole panel. You yeah. think they're interested in our nuclear capabilities and they're all like, yes, definitely here for the nukes. Yes, sir. Definitely here for the nukes. Absolutely, sir. Here for the nukes. Yeah. the That's such a funny concept to me because one, uh, you know, crash site stuff, like there's some of it from the 30s. So they would have been here before nukes. Um, even if you're going to take all of the sightings as evidence for aliens, um, but two, let's run through some of this stuff. The world's first nuclear explosion, Trinity test, July 16th, 1945, um, in New Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. The, the first well-known UFO sighting, like well-known publicly occurred in 1947 in Washington, um, Roswell, New Mexico, occurred in as well in 1947 so the one in the one in washington's from that pilot freeman yeah. or something and he's the one who basically coined the flying saucer term but he said they look like saucers skipping on water but they were boomerang shaped and right. then everyone's yeah. like oh yeah you mean it looks like a saucer he's like no right. i said it's not what i said at all They're like we well, you know what you meant <laughs> yeah that so the those numbers do not add up because uh, let's just say that life exists uh, at Alpha Centauri. It, you know, let's suspend some disbelief of even though we've talked about how there's kind of a planet that could potentially have some sort of life there. Yeah, around Proxima Centauri, the little the little bitty star that's orbiting around the two mega stars. Right. Um, it's so let's just. Imagine that they're not floating out in space in between the two of us or whatever, but they would have to be half the distance and then go at the speed of light to get here for the Roswell crash. You know, they would have to be half the distance to Alpha Centauri. So they'd be, you know, two light years away. Uh, it takes light. So radiation from the nuclear blast to travel in a vacuum, it would take two years for it to get to that halfway point. Yeah. So or let's the just say radio broadcast knowledge of it or something like that. Yeah. Right. Which we know that radio waves degrade. You know, uh, I live in Gardena, California. I'm not able to get TC's and Jorts's Dirtbag Culture Hour over the <laughs> radio, radio. Radio doesn't work. <laughs> no. Um, and I'm uh, much closer than Alpha Centauri is. 
So let's just say that the radiation is is what they're what aliens are observing on Alpha Centauri, and that's why they decided to start coming to Earth. Um, or let's say they have a, a space telescope, next generation space telescope, that's able to look inside of our atmosphere and detect different chemical compounds. And they're always looking at it because they're looking at the light from our star come through our atmosphere, and they're being like, "Oh, it's cool. It's pretty chill. Pretty chill. Pretty chill. Pretty chill." What? So I did uh, I did the math on these numbers and it didn't include them looking at our atmosphere. So if if you could you know just not take the wind out of my sails. Okay, go a ahead for ne- the next few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a very basic level here. Okay, I mean the light <laughs> would have taken all the way to get to them, so it would have taken four point two two years to take get to them for them right, to exactly. be able to see through the spectroscopy of their telescope. So if, if, if it got to them, let's say they have this advanced telescope uh, orbiting their planet, so it is you know approximately the same distance, that 4.2, whatever. Mm. If they saw the explosion in 1945, uh, it would take them to get here today. Like if they showed up today because they saw that explosion, which they would have seen in our dating system in 1949 it would take them 74 years to get here which would mean they would have to travel at 0.057 times the speed of light um that is 335 billion miles per year on average because you got to speed up and slow down Mm -hmm. that is over 13,457,000 trips around the globe every year. That is 0.43 trips around the globe every second. You think technologically, an if you alien go that fast around the planet, you can turn back time. Exactly. You think a civilization with that level of technology would be concerned that we had an 18 kiloton nuclear. <laughs> weapon that obviously didn't destroy our planet when it exploded so why would they be concerned with it at all yeah it's just a sci-fi thing of old sci-fi tropes of being like oh yeah then the the way advanced civilization got it got interested in us when we developed nuclear technology because they wanted to see if we would make it past the first great filter of civilization if you can avoid blowing yourself up and get to the next stage um because they've they've observed you know hundreds of thousands of civilizations all across the the cosmos and they they see how they all fail at this step most likely and they blow themselves up um which you know i don't know the 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 main the main issue is is like even, even if they were able to travel the speed of light then they're not they can bring no mass they can, yeah. There can be no mass in whatever they're traveling, so that they can only be light. If they become, if they go the speed of light, they become light, and they arrive as light, and they can't go back from being photons into being mass objects that have like physical characteristics. Um, so that that's the main problem with the speed thing. Um, the the distance thing is is more like. It's very similar to like some of the technologies that were talked about in Three Body. Um, like we know we could make right now uh, 
a starshot device that could travel into inner space, into interstellar space, and get to the closest star system, which would be Alpha Centauri system. We can do that. We have the technology to do it. Um, but the only thing that we could send would be the the payload would be like at a gram, one gram or less would be the payload. And you could accelerate that to about 20% the speed of light. So you could make the trip from here to Alpha Centauri in a little over 21 years. Um, but you're, you're shooting lasers from the planet Earth onto a solar sail that is pushing this thing towards Alpha Centauri. And it accelerates up to where its maximum level, which would be 20% the speed of light. But there's no way to slow it down. Like, once you're going that fast... You can't bring a bunch of fuel or anything to put the brakes on to slow yourself down. So when you get there, you can actually hang out like you're just going to zip by and like the flash of a second and not even be able to take any pictures because you're going so fast as you zoom past the destination you're going to and just keep going in a straight line. Um, the, the And so this is where, like, for me, it gets tough to um, interact with the testimony um, and the sort of the the witnesses is just because physics, e- even if it is an advanced technology technology or an advanced civilization that's that is doing stuff that we don't know how to do, um, they don't get to un aliens don't get to opt out of physics. Like the f- the laws of physics and the laws that science has discovered aren't like laws that we wrote down. Um, and then decided that that's what it was. They're like discovered through the scientific process because they are natural, they're actual laws. You can't break the laws. Like they're, there's not a physical way to do it. Um, so that would be my sort of hold up there is we're just so fucking far away from everything. Um, the, the galaxy is huge. Um, and even if you bake it, you give very generous estimates into your Drake equation for your Fermi paradox evaluation of it, um, you're, you can come up with hundreds of billions of planets, potentially habitable planets inside of our galaxy. But when you start to look at how long it took to get to intelligent life here on our planet, and if you think that there's any sort of simulation that that is applicable to other other areas um the earth's been here for four and a half billion years the the ability to actually intelligibly understand things beyond the surface of this planet has only been going on for a few like 500 and the uh, our ability to actually interact with any of that stuff in an experimental context has only been going on for like 80 (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the the time it takes to evolve from nothing into this where we are now is um a quarter of the entire existence of the known universe so if it's in a more advanced civilization it's more advanced than us meaning that it's had more time to develop and they haven't suffered some kind of an apocalyptic event asteroid strike any they, they got off their world before it was destroyed because we know from our own history inside of our own planet, dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years, and they got—they didn't develop spaceships, and they got wiped out. Um, and then there were more ex- giant extinction events after that. 
Um, so the, everything keeps getting reset. So the likelihood just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping of finding a civilization that's more advanced than us, that has been around longer, that can is close enough to reach us. That Not only that, but this is the, the one that really fucks up the probabilities. Time. When you start having to think of, we've only been able to do this stuff, like I said, for 80 years, right? Mm-hmm. What is the coincidence of fate that a spacefaring civilization that has to travel generations in order to reach us happens to show up at this exact time when humans are around? Like they didn't show up in like the giant 200 million year window of, of, of dinosaurs, but they show up here at this very specific narrow time. That is like another, this is obviously more of us. It's a human deal. We're manifesting our own issues, our own hopes, our own anxieties onto the cosmos and using that to try to explain things that we can't readily explain because our narrative machine in our heads demands an explanation because it cannot deal with unknowns. It just, it's not comfortable with the unknown. Um, And I think that that is probably more of what's going on just when you start to look at the numbers. Then my only other numbers thing is the rate of occurrence of of this stuff. Um, And... uh, this is a little numbers game that was uh, done by Mick West. Uh, the evaluation of how many crashed craft that we've had that have been reported and how many sightings we've had reported. Um, it averages out about one every two years um, since the 1950s of reported crashed alien craft. And these are the numbers that um, these people give for, like, the amount of recovered vehicles that the Department of Defense and the Pentagon has seized. This is the rate that would be. Um, if they are more advanced than us, and which is everyone's testimony was that they're obviously more advanced, um, you would think that they would also have higher safety factor. Right, especially if they traveled all the way from another part of the universe all the way here, they're not going to show up here just to crash. That would suck. Yeah. But, you know, things happen. You might lose a couple craft here and there. Well, we've got 30,000 just commercial aircraft in the sky every single day. And with even with the <laughs> Boeing Max going down at the rate that it did <laughs> early on, like we still only barely average over one major like plane crash a year on the planet. Yeah. Um so if the alien spacecraft are safer, more technologically advanced than our aircraft, but they're crashing at a rate of one almost the same rate as our commercial aircraft, then just think about how much safer are they? Like a factor of five safer, five times safer than our commercial aircraft, then that would mean that there's got to be like 150,000, 200,000 alien craft in our skies at the time, at all times in order to get the crash rate that we get. That seems improbable. That it just from a numbers standpoint to me. Well, and there's 8,000 reports per year 
Um, oh, so yeah, sightings. how would yeah of sightings? Yeah. Um, so how would you have like that few of reports? <laughs> you know, like it would be something that's invisible or whatever. Then if they have that capability, then why are they sighted in the first place? Yeah, and so, but these are like. I don't even know if these types of things are matter to people who are ufologists who are really into the movement. Because I feel like anything that would be approaching just a level of like healthy skepticism is is kind of uh, a non-starter in the conversation. Yeah. Um, and because like it is, it, this is a feelings type of thing, and if you. Think it, I think it would be really cool if, the, like, we knew for sure that aliens were here. If there was, like, a definitive way to know. And I think that some people want, it, want to know that so bad or want to believe that so bad that the threshold for evidence drops based upon how much they want it to be true. And so that then that's a balancing act that we all do in our heads because we're all human beings and we all come up have these biases and if we knew what they fucking were in our head we would get out in front of them and be like oh no i need to balance those scales in order to be a rational person but the reason why we don't is because we don't know them and because they're our own biases um but it means that in certain cases like this or in certain cases of like the belief in angels and evidence of angels or the belief in the afterlife or any of those types of things like justin was talking about um the need for that to be some kind of piece that fits their narrative for understanding the world um, allows them to have a lower threshold for evidence and accept things as fact because it reinforces the, the belief and they need some facts to reinforce their belief so they're willing to lower that. The same way like the people who climbed mount ararat to try to find like the satellite images of the <laughs> of the ark were like disappointed to find that it wasn't there when they got up there and it was just shadows from an old satellite image but they still believed it was on the fucking mountain yeah so the the other like the final kind of nuclear stuff that i found interesting so as you're describing all of these things they would show like uh technologically they'd have to be so advanced that why would they also come here because of the nuclear blasts when the asteroid that destroyed uh, the dinosaurs um, killed 75% of life on Earth, so didn't even wipe out all of the planet. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what, equal to 10 billion modern-day nuclear weapons? Yeah. So it's you know, that's a much bigger explosion that they would view. And if they came from Alpha Centauri with our current rocket technology and they were able to live in space for the 75,000 years it would take to make that trip, yeah, um, they would not even see, like, mammals evolving into, like, the giant types of mammals that existed after the dinosaurs, like those you know, the mega megafauna that we spoke about before. Yeah. Um, they'd they'd show up to a very anything. dark, cold place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With barely and, anything alive on it. And that's an explosion that can kill 75% of life on a planet, you know, our size. 
And, you know, what, like three to four percent of stars in the universe, as far as we can tell, have Earth-like planets um, that, you know, could potentially harbor life or whatever. So that's that's such a, a drop in the bucket for caring about the technology of the planet if you just observe that explosion. But let's just say they did observe the nuclear explosions. The the radiation that would tell them, you know, obviously, okay, they they have an advanced telescope and they can look at the atmosphere. Good on you for remembering that those things exist, but I forgot that they existed. <laughs> but anyways, let's just say that they observed the radiation coming out into space, right? And then that's what triggered them. And they're like, they have sensors that are like, oh, we're detecting radiation. Because that, I I believe is more along the lines of what ufologists think. <laughs> yeah, like when they, they talk about the thing, w- that is interesting. On In his Newsmax interview, they asked him what the most compelling piece of evidence was, and he was like, oh, the isotope readings from some of the things. When, like, not not the actual craft or bodies that you say people have witnessed. And right. not, like, that is the most compelling evidence. Show us that. Don't tell me, don't give me a, a readout of some isotope readings that came off the material and say, this is the most compelling evidence. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That can't be the most compelling evidence. The fucking right. ships and bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so the if a nuclear, uh, a, a 20 kiloton, so larger than the Trinity test, if that exploded in space, the radiation intensity at less than 28 miles distant but the radiation intensity at that point is 100 rads 100 rads equals 0.01 joule per kilogram a rad is like the absorbed radiation dose that's how much like your body is absorbing the radiation or whatever so it's 0.01 joules per kilogram so 100 rads equals one joule per kilogram one watt equals one joule per second. So the resulting radiation from a nuclear blast of a 20 kiloton bomb less than 28 miles distant in space would result in roughly one joule per kilogram. So roughly one watt per kilogram per second. The wattage that the sun is putting out that hits the outside of our atmosphere is 1,000 uh 360 watts per square meter so how in the world would it even be detected compared to the amount of radiation the sun is putting out if it's coming from the earth you know it's like it's it's not even equal to the amount of radiation not even close to the amount of radiation that's reflected off of the off earth's the atmosphere, atmosphere yeah 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 back out into space so it's not they would not be able to detect that one watt per kilogram per second increase. No. Um, which is not an exact, you know, it's not the same as uh, square meters or whatever. So uh, get off my ass. But, you know, it's like it, that's, that's, you can kind of. That's why here on Earth, when we're interested in finding other sources of alien life out there, we we listened on on different radio spectrum on different frequencies 
um, we did like the the hydrogen frequency because it was like the universal frequency, you know, type of things. And you would be able to pick up messages in there or people were were to be encoding messages that would go all throughout the universe to let you know that they were there. They would put messages in the bottle that floated on this frequency um, because it was able to go everywhere and not be uh, interfered with um, from other sources. Uh, so... I don't know. There's there's a lot of really compelling stuff that has been done to try to find the existence of extraterrestrial life. And I don't think that any of that science is really is is intriguing to the people that want it to be uh, actual people that came in a small ship and they were crammed inside of a cockpit the whole time and they flew a far distance and then they something went wrong and they had to crash. And it like that narrative is so strong um, that the the actual interest of the any of the science parts like we talked about at the beginning don't really matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I sent you guys that like map too that shows all the reported UFO sightings from 1906 to 2014. Um, and they're also like not located where nuclear tests occur. The majority is like the from the northern tip of Virginia up to Maine. It's like, kind of where people are too. Like they're yeah. clustered around all of those places where people are. So it's going to be like uh, a, a population density issue of your sightings per person are going to be pretty much the same all over, all around. So the density is going to be based upon where all the most people are clustered. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's an uptick after the War of the Worlds broadcast when people are like, "Oh God, you know, aliens exist um, as a possibility in my mind." And just seeing the worldwide map where it's like, it's the United States, England, uh, and France, essentially, where like 90 something percent of the UFO sightings mm-hmm. occur. Um, uh, the last thing I've got is um, the pilots, uh, while they do come across as uh, credible with their credentials and I guess position, uh, they are, like Justin said, you have to have a certain type of temperament and mentality in order to be a fighter pilot, which doesn't lend you to necessarily being the type of person who's, uh, open and understanding. Uh, you're more of, uh, kind of a, a cocky egotistical type, um, which is fine. Um, and I'm not saying that they're lying. It's actually not fine. I, I'm not saying that they're lying about anything they saw or that it, I think that is just clearly just a misinterpretation um, or they they're putting their priors going into it uh, like they were told ahead of time. But they were they weren't told necessarily ahead of time that there's actual um, flying objects there. The radar people told them, hey, they we have these um anomalous things that happen on in the radar systems that sometimes these are the ones to disregard and those are types of normal briefings that happen before most flight missions when you've got a lot of systems the pilots out of all the people involved are the people who least understand how their radar systems work um they just know how to use them in for the use that they're designed for and so when it comes to the design that's the other thing to think about is a lot of these systems are designed to have very calibrated um, ability to lock on 
to other fighter jets. So they're looking for heat signatures and things that operate in a very limited envelope the way that enemy fighter jets operate so that they can work the best in that situation for that specialty use case. Um, so they're not very good at detecting things that are going pretty slow or don't have a big heat signature or have a lower cross-section, uh, mm -hmm. cross-sectional area. So they do pick up that stuff, but it might lead to glitches or other things that happen inside the radar. The main thing is that I don't think in any of the videos that they have released um, or in any of the 800 ones that the NASA is already evaluating, they've, they've shown the, the, the go-fast one, and they're about to do an explanation on the Tic Tac one. But the, the go-fast explanation was shown just to be parallax effect because it was a camera on a drone that was going 150 miles an hour and then the drone, the camera on the drone was also swiveling in the opposite direction, tracking an object. And then another object that was very close to the drone moved in front of it. A small, tiny thing moved in front of it, which looks to be about 18 inches in diameter, probably a round balloon, um, metallic party balloon. It moved very slow, windblown, but it moved directly in the path of the camera. And because the camera was so zoomed in on the other object it was tracking it and kind of bouncing around as the drone was moving in an arced motion, it made that thing look like it was jerking around in different directions very fast along the surface of the water because your first thought is that's something big that's far away. But that's not what was happening. There was when they evaluated the data with the geometry is just a parallax effect that was happening with something that was small, that was close, and barely moving at all. Everything else was moving, just not that thing, <laughs> and it made it look like that. So that is, the, the, I think that is probably the majority of what is going on, mostly because even if something was able to do crazy fast maneuvers, way faster and accelerate to crazy Mach 2 and then stop on a dime and then go Mach 2 in the opposite direction like they were describing, it's still limited by the atmosphere that is on the planet. It's not like it gets to be in a different atmosphere or in space in a vacuum absent of the atmosphere. And like we talked about in the lightning episode, <laughs> anything going that fast suddenly like that will cause plasma to rip in the atmosphere. There will be a mm -hmm. giant flash of light and it will become superheated red or white hot. Like the atmosphere will interact with that object if it was making those types of maneuvers at those types of speeds. So the lack of any visual evidence of any kind of plasma tearing of the atmosphere that happened when something went that fast inside of it makes me think that it's probably not something going that fast. It's probably some other type of illusion that is either we just need to figure out the geometry on as to why it seems like it's going fast, but it's not really going fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that kind of stuff that's using those sensors and everything, like, you know, as the, on that, the big science podcast that that guy, the James McGahey, was that how his name is pronounced? I think so. The retired Air Force pilot, but now he's an astronomer. He's discovered 15 asteroids, 63 comets, 2,090 near-Earth asteroid publications. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like a, a real deal kind of discoverer of astronomy that does it, you know. I don't know if he does it professionally, 
necessarily could just be a hobbyist, but that's, that's a lot of publications. I have one publication of two years working in a lab. I bet Um, you he's part of that network, that sky survey network where he can basically, you can sign up to where like at night Mm -hmm. when you're not using your computer, they lease your computer to help them have more resources to scan the skies for near earth asteroids and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he like discovered, uh, like a gamma ray burst and everything like that too. So he has to have observation equipment that's like above, uh, I was going to say Magellan, but no citizen scientist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I found that pretty interesting that his, his one note saying that like he has personally himself. Now this isn't hearsay. He says he himself has seen pilots, uh, who are not trained observers for things like UFOs, they're just trying to observe to make sure they don't run into anything in the air. They're, and they, they're trying to find tr- aerial threats. They're aerial cops yeah. that are looking, that see a threat in everything. Yeah, and they have made maneuvers with their planes to avoid Venus because it was suddenly a light that appeared to them mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, I got to... Can't hit that. Evasive action. Um, <laughs> knowing the the personality type that becomes a pilot uh, and knowing that if you made that kind of maneuver, you're going to get questioned about it, uh, you know, once you're back. Because especially if you're just flying around, whatever, if you if you make a jerky movement, they're going to be like, what, what was that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because they need to evaluate. Um, and this is not me saying that it's good that we have uh, pilots that, as Justin described, are trying to kill kids across the globe. Um, But you can understand why they would want to make sure you're not having like a mental breakdown in the air in these, more than likely because it's a very expensive piece of equipment. Right, Uh, and to operate it, you have to be a certain type of person. Like Top Gun's not fucking around when they're like, you have to be the person that is willing to always be on the edge all the time and like not yeah. fear the risks or anything like that is a a real personality trait they're looking for they don't want anybody second guessing anything up there and can you imagine that personality type getting grilled on why they you know flew took a hard left um out of their flight formation because they saw venus like i'm not saying that they're just going to make it up but they're definitely going to say i saw something in the air that i needed to yeah avoid. yeah 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 you know the bruised ego and all of that aspect of it i'm sure that you're going to hold on to something it's it's or or that's also the reason why it's uh taboo to, it, to even talk about amongst pilots like to even even if yeah. you did actually really see something it is taboo amongst them because of the the class of human being that it takes to be a pilot like you don't want to all of a sudden be thought that you're losing your marbles or that you can't, you know, ride that tight line of what it takes to be a combat pilot anymore. Cause you, right. uh, the slightest edge of you seeming like you're losing your shit and then they can ground you. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's not even just to say that they're going to be like, well, I'm going to make it up or whatever, but you can, totally then to see the rationale too 
going all the way back to the hearing, how they're like, well, you know, the, the Pentagon tried to stop me from creating this channel way to have any potential sighting of anything directly reported to Congress or whatever that thing was they were trying yeah, to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, why would you create that much paperwork like... You know, we have a finite budget here at the Pentagon, okay? Which which is um, why it was annoying that no one put into context the hearing from the month prior on on the NASA uh, council that had been convened a bunch of people from NASA and DOD and the Pentagon and a bunch of scientists to... They, they weren't even yet fully evaluating stuff. The council was initially convened last year for them to come up with an idea of how to evaluate this stuff. First, come up with a scientific process that is a repeatable thing that we can use to evaluate this stuff so we know it's not just a bunch of um, people flying by the seat of their pants in these different areas. Let's like come up with a formalized way of doing this. That doesn't also overlap with a bunch of the stuff that the Pentagon and the DOD are already doing. Like they already have a bunch of stuff that they're looking for, Chinese spy balloons, all the other shit. Like, so you don't want to just say, oh, well, we just need uh, to have, we just need the DOD to do all this stuff that they're already doing. You have to come up. So their whole goal was come up with a non-classified way, even if it was like a way of networking people and using cell phone data of observing the skies all the time so that any future events are immediately um, evaluated through this methodology that that they would that they would develop or come up with, and the fact that he's lamenting in 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 his hearing in July, oh, they they were trying to no one actually wanted to research this last fucking month. They talked to this panel; they've been doing it for a year. Right. Like I don't know, <laughs> like, but no one wanted to talk about that one because it didn't have the same National Enquirer level headlines of bodies of aliens found. Yeah, yeah, it's except the people that are crazed ufologists, like the lady that was from uh, the from NASA, who's the head of that panel. Um, she got she basically deleted everything on her social media going back to like 2020 because she everything people were like commenting on that she was part of this conspiracy and that basically you know she didn't deserve to live because she's trying to uh cover things up from the american people and all that all the crazy ufologists they were the ones who did come out of the woodwork on her they were paying attention (laughs) yeah 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 it's I mean, I just, I really enjoyed that they had like the SETI guy, um, which the podcast comes from SETI, Mm -hmm. but to have him really uh, helming part of it, because it's like, why would those people who have a government job paid to search for aliens, why would they be part of a cover-up? Because they weren't the ones to discover it? Like, it's... it. That like the human level of it, the technology level of it, the physics level of it, every none of it makes any sense. Um, the human level that does make sense is people like stories. Yeah. And that's, you know, okay, fine, you can have a story, but And it's a short it's a shortcut to an answer to to so that you can sleep at night about the thing that you saw that you couldn't explain. 
and you know then and if you feel like you did see something um and you feel like society has derided you for that it is like a little bit of ah see it's my comeuppance i i I wasn't the crackpot that everyone thought I was. And that's the other thing I want to be careful about is like, I don't, I think when people hear, hear voices or people think that they talk to God or people, people who talk, talk about UFOs or being abducted or all that stuff. I think the very small minority of them are just making shit up for attention out of, out of thin air. I think most of them did experience something, whether that was some kind of psychological moment or actual events that their brain couldn't come to terms with in the moment of them happening. So it kind of replaced them with memories that made the most sense in order to help them get through the the trauma they experienced. I think they actually did experience things, whether it was actual physical or in their head. And I, I don't think that those people should necessarily be like ridiculed for their experience. I think that doesn't do any, any service to either side of this debate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying, there's so, again, so many things in my head that I'm trying not to say. Uh, but yeah, it's having, we we just need uh, healthcare, I guess, in this country. <laughs> is, is the conclusion. <laughs> well, I think really what we need is, I would love to have a transparent government. Like that, I think that is a thing that we can agree on. Like having more transparency within the levels of government. Like if that had actually been a real congressional hearing, like they would have been asking tough questions of the witnesses. You know, they, it would have been an actual, you know, grilling them on prove it type of evidence type of stuff. Which yeah. means that if it is a government cover, cover up at other levels, Congress can call those people into hearings. <laughs> like, we could right. get to the bottom of this. And maybe that will happen because this is a technically, th- this hearing was a whistleblower protection hearing. So it means that the the investigation that's opened up is opened up on um, people in government retaliating against the David Grush guy, which means that if there are people that are above the chain on him and are trying to keep him quiet for reasons, those people can be subpoenaed and called into Congress. And then Congress can ask them the questions that they can't lie either under oath. Um, And maybe they're some more transparency will be revealed similar to the the roswell event where yeah it it actually was a balloon it wasn't a weather balloon it was a balloon that was brought up into the atmosphere in order to uh use sensors to detect if russia was starting to test nuclear weapons um but they didn't want russia to know that and when the immediate like story was uh alien spacecraft they were like phew this is actually a really good cover-up we didn't even have to do it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I mean, maybe those future hearings will also be helmed by 2014 Maxim hometown hottie uh, for South Bend, Florida or whatever. But yeah, the that's what I think. I, I just, if there were more transparency throughout the, all the levels of a government when people are working on programs where if more people were read into the entirety of like the context of what they're doing in order to, you know 
actually have people more well-rounded with knowing what the goals and objectives are of different defense projects, that would be nice. Because it's a lot easier to get a whole group of people to do terrible things to other countries if you only read them in on very narrow aspects of their of their role in that and they don't feel any culpability because they don't really know what the grand scheme is. Um, yeah, I think if this type of thing were to be a uh, thing that eventually caused other clandestine houses of cards to fall and we found out it's not really aliens but it was a bunch of cover-ups that that uh, forced more transparency and uh, inside of the government and accountability that'd be cool I, I'd be all for that so I'm not I think they should keep doing the hearings like <laughs> let's keep let's keep scratching this itch you know I, I, yeah. I don't mind that aspect of it at all let's go for it well good job All right. Until next week. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. (laughs) Bye.